hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Proverbs 13, 22 says this, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Sorry, I'm just making sure I get the right. Here's my sermon. For 21 years, Julia Burnett has been laying up an inheritance, not only for her children, but for her children's children. Julia Burnett has been a leader here at South City, even before South City was part of the C3 movement. Julia and her husband, Paul, have been those kind of Abbas, those, those mothers and fathers to so many of us. And with sadness, because I'm sad that I'm not going to work with her, but with great joy, I want to announce that she is retiring as pastor here at South City C3. She's retired, but as I remember, one of the first things I said when I met Duncan Graham uh, when I got here a few, about a year ago was, he's not retiring, he's retreading. <laughs> and as I got to talk a little bit with Julia last week, she, by the way, she broke, uh, fractured her foot. So it was almost like she was saying that God had to just stop her dead in her tracks by breaking her foot so she could have much needed rest. But she's here. We love you. We pray blessing over you as you look at this new seasonal change for you. Amen. As you continue to pour in inheritance, God, God, God was just kidding me going, here's a woman, here's a family, a, 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 a ministry couple that has been the legacy that you have already laid in track. Amen? Here. We are changed forever because of that. As I remember someone saying in YOM, we are ruined for the ordinary because of you. We can't go back down those ordinary roads because of the ministry that you've had here at South City C3. And you'll be truly missed. Thank you, Julia. I'm starting a new series. Call. So let me just first tell you about how this worked. Is it up? That's it. Okay. So my, my wife and I um, were on holidays up north, um, and one day we decided to go on a bit of a hike. And this is uh, a shipwreck, which is on the road to Motueka. Have I got that right? Where's my Kiwi folk? Am I right? Motueka? And so as I started looking at this, this derelict shipwreck, the words as if God had kind of whispered into my very essence, he was saying, are you ship-shaped for the future? And I said, well, Lord, I, don't, I think I said, I, yeah, I am. I'm ship-shaped as a, as a leader, as a, as a husband, as a father, as a brother, as a pastor. And the Lord started to ask me the question, is South City ship shape for 2021? This shipwreck here, the Janie Seddon is the name 
of the ship. It's an interesting name. The Janie Seddon. This shipwreck is located off the Motueka foreshore. But despite its weathered ruins, the ship has a rich, do you know this, a rich and diverse history. Janie began her career as a submarine mining vessel and was the last surviving military ship to have served in both world wars. Rumor has it that she actually fired the first shot in World War II. When her military days came to an end, Janie was purchased by a local Tailies fishing group at the, as the first in her fleet. As a coal-powered ship, she proved unsuitable as a fishing vessel, and her size prevented her operating in the coastal waters of the Tasman Bay. In 1950, Janie Seddon was laid up on the Motueka Wharf, and after sinking at the moorings a few years later, she was stripped of anything of use and left for the elements. This story reminds me about our Christian walk, not just personally, but also together as the body of Christ. At one point, the Janie Seddon was in active combat. She was in full service. Everything on her ship, it looks pretty bad right now, but everything in her ship was working perfectly fine. A hundred percent. It had to be. Had, when I was in the army, we, it was called, we had to be combat ready. Where I knew where all my kit was, I knew where my weapon was, I knew where my ammunition was. Everything was clean and combat ready. It was ready. It was ship shape. We use this, Janie Seddon was this, this, she was in full service. Her situations, but then after the war, her situation changed. And so did her service. She was retired and laid to rest, well, laid to rust. And in 1950, there wasn't no technical know-how how to retrofit engines, so she was just unusable. And that's where we sometimes, folks, can be in our Christian walk. We could have been used mightily back in the day at the height of service, but times change and we didn't go through the retrofitting. We became unserviceable. That's how we feel. And we just sat in the pew, stripped of all use, and rusting away in the church. The goal of my series that I want to talk about for the next eight weeks, first is I want us to retrofit our engines, amen? Who's here for a retrofit this morning? Amen, well, you'll get there, okay. So you want to make the necessary repairs to go from coal to like hybrid nuclear hybrid energy. I don't know what the best, I don't know, dilithium engines if you're a Star Trekker guy. I don't know what it is. But you want to, you, I think what it is, what I want to do is I want to work on our ships when it comes to being ship shape. So John, what is that? I want to I talk about partnerships, friendships, relationships. See what I'm going with? <laughs> Meanwhile, someone just woke up. What's all these? And hopefully I say it nicely and articulate my ships. Thank God we're not doing this on live stream. 
membership. I'm going to do a sermon on membership. I want to talk about stewardship. It'll be the first time, you can ask Crystal, first time I ever talk about tithing in my, pa- in my pastoral career. I'm going to do it here. Apprenticeship. The second thing I want to talk about is I want us to move away from the moorings. I want to pull up anchor. I want to set sail as South City C3 Church into what God has for us this year. Amen? Amen. I believe that God has so much for us. And for many years, we've just been sitting and stuck in the sand or stuck in the mooring. And God wants to pull up anchor, strip all the barnacles off your hull, and let's get out and set sail on that kind of ship. And lastly, this sermon, this sermon series is I want us to join the fleet. See, the JD7, it was the best at the height of its combat career. It was the best because it was attached to a naval fleet. Amen? You can't, you can't do things on your own. We're part of it together. And so our hope as we do this ship shape series is that we don't do it alone, but we do it as a fleet as a group, as a family, as a fano, and we do it in community. So I want to start with our theme text this morning. If you guys have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. It's, if you have your books, iPads, Ephesians is in the New Testament. It's a letter that's written by the Apostle Paul to the church of Ephesus. Let's just go there. Ephesus cha- Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 15 to 16. It's only two, two, uh, two scriptures in the ESV. It says this, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way. This is part of that retrofitting, folks. Maybe there's a part where maybe like we were praying in the, uh, in, just so you know, we do pre-service prayer in the new cafe. You guys, have you guys seen the new cafe? Put your hands together for that. That's awesome. It's a permanent cafe. You can come during your breaks, enjoy a time of quiet and sit and have a coffee. But in the cafe, we were praying, and I said, we are done serving just the breast milk of our discipleship. It's time for some meat and potatoes. Amen? There's a time for breast milk. It's a time to have that, that milk and that just it's the primary kind of building blocks for you as a baby. But you are not babies anymore because it says right here, we are to what? Grow up. Time to grow up, son. In what? Every way. And what? Into him who is the head into Christ. Don't grow up in every way to me or to the church or to your connect group. It's to Jesus Christ, because he's going to look at you, and if I'm saying grow up, what do you think God the Father is saying? It's time to grow up, son. Time to grow up, daughter. But excuse me, I'm 89 years old. The Father still knows you as a baby. He'll say, time to grow up. You're not retired. You're like Julie. You're going to just retread and get on out there. I got a Jeremiah 29, 11. I got plans for you not to harm you, but plans to what? Prosper you to give you a future and hope. Doesn't matter if you're 8, 18, 89, or 108. If you were like Dorcas in the book of Acts, which we'll be studying in, uh, after Easter, Dorcas had the opportunity to die, but then God said, You're not done ministry. And then he resurrected her and said, And what did she do? She got right back into ministry. 
So you don't get to do, you do not get to determine your tenure. God does. You don't determine your retirement plan. God does. That's a, just a side venture, a little trailer for that. But let's go on. He says, grow up in every way. And then verse 16, from whom the whole body. So you, none of us are lone rangers. You're not El Solo. We're the whole body joined and held together by every joint, which is, it is equipped. Look at that boat. Oh, no, it's not. I've seen in a minute. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And that, to me, is the perfect image of that boat, where every, in this case, not every joint, but say every knot, every turn, every, every buckle, every kind of uh, rope, every sail, everything is put together perfect, and it's equipped. See, when you look at the old ship in Motueka, you see this derelict shipwreck, and you can't see what it once was. You can't see the military giant it was. But if you look at the other ship on the other side, when it came out of the shipyards, it was 100% ready for service. So what does ship shape mean, Pastor? Well, the British English phrase, the etymology of ship shape is this. It means it's in good order. It's efficiently arranged. See, originally this phrase was ship-shapen. It meant arranged properly as things on board on a ship should be. Bristol in England has been an important seaport for many, actually for thousands of years. The city was actually several miles from the sea and stands on an estuary on the River Avon. Bristol's harbor has one of the most variable tidal flows anywhere in the world, and the water level, get this, would vary up to 30 feet between tides. So ships that were built in Bristol, they had to be sturdy ship-shaped construction because all it would take is a couple of tidal changes and the ship would be destroyed before it even got to be used. And that's how we got the word ship-shaped. So my hope, as we look at our lives, our leadership, our relationships, our friendships, our stewardship, our apprenticeships, is, is everything on your ship tied down, built right? Is it ready for the open ocean? For this thing, I want to talk about you and me. What is the dilemma? Well, first of all, because of the effects of sin, Wrecks like the Janie Seddon, that is who we are. Charles Spurgeon said it best this way, and it's on the screen. He goes, as salt flavors every drop in the Atlantic, so does sin affect every atom of our nature. It is so sadly there, so abundantly there, that if you cannot detect it, you are deceived. Amen? See, folks, the reality, the 100% reality is that we all sin. It's a fact of human nature. And our world is fallen and corrupt because of sin. It is actually, it is impossible to never sin. I remember one time I went to a garage sale in America. We were in the States. And I went up to this woman, and, and she had all this Christ, Christian memorabilia all over her garage. 
and we were talking about Christianity. I was a fairly new Christian, and she began to tell me a lie. It was this, 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 this falsehood. And you know when you know the Bible and when something creeps up that is just wrong, and you're just going, what? I think you're messed up, lady. And she said, she started to say that because of Jesus' sa- sacrifice on the cross, that she is forgiven. I said, just amen on that. I'm like, high five, amen. But then she starts to say, but I never sin anymore because of the cross. I said, oh, you are deluded. It is impossible to never sin. If anyone says that, they are, that they've never committed any iniquity, they are what? What does the Bible say that they are? Say it like you mean it. You're a liar. You're lying. Lying to yourself and lying to the people around you. Only who? Jesus Christ, who was and is perfect in every way, never sinned. Ever since our firstly earthly father, Adam and Eve, made the catastrophic mistake of taking from the forbidden fruit, we are born with the tendency, the iniquity, the bentness to choose sin over obedience. We cannot help ourselves but to keep falling short of the glory of God. If left to our own devices, we will never measure up. We can never measure up to God's standards because we are weak and because we are prone to the lusts of the flesh. We enjoy sin too much because it gratifies that flesh. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. The works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Folks, I, as I'm reading that, and I know with you too, I find myself in that list. Amen? I'm in that list. And, so, and sadly, because of sin, so are you. So why do we sin? Well, the million-dollar question is, so if you know what you're supposed to do and what we're, what we're supposed to do, why do we still sin? Have you ever asked that million-dollar question? We are born with a sinful nature after our first parents, Adam and Eve, yet we are still, we have what? Free will. But like our first, our first parents, we choose what? Sin. Because doing our own thing over obeying the word of God brings our human flesh more satisfaction. We sin because it is easier, it is easier than walking in obedience. Even when we don't want to sin, There is a war inside of us. And usually, almost 98% of the war is in your mind. The spirit wants to obey, but the flesh is weak and wants to do its own thing. We don't want to think about consequences, and sometimes we simply just don't. So we find it easier to dive right in to the grime and the mire of what sin is. Sin is fun and enjoyable to the flesh, 
although it always comes at a cost. When I was at that ship in Motueka, and there's the rust and the degradation of, of that ship. I don't know if you can see in the right-hand side is those stones. They're there for a reason. When Crystal and I were looking at it on the point, looking at it on a profile, we saw a, a small family walking down, and a little boy, maybe five or six years old, he went out towards the ship, not knowing. And all of a sudden, he started to sink. And he, this scream, ah, just, it was power, it was ear-piercing, it was heart-wrenching. And he was, he was stuck, and his dad's like yelling, get back here, run. And he was freaked out. He was afraid. He started weeping, because all of a sudden, he started sinking. His life was in peril, because that's what sin is. Sin is just, all of a sudden as you get close to it, you just start to sink, you, and, and it's, it's perilous. It should, it should scare the life out of you like that little child. But as we get older, we just kind of get used to the pain, and we're like, oh, just get used to this, because it's so enjoyable. And the father's yelling at us, get over here. You know it's not good for you. Get over here. And some of us, we repent, and we're like, oh, Father, you're right. And we run, and immediately the boy came, and, you know, the mom's like, where's your shoes? And, like, of course, mom's very functional, you know, like, where's your shoes? And they just started to console him and care for him and love him and embrace him and hold him and wipe his feet. We came around and re-traumatized it a bit. I said, hey, I'm sorry you got really freaked out. You know, my, my, and I started sharing a story about how our kids would get freaked out, and then he started crying again. I felt bad. <laughs> but look at Romans 7, 15. Look at what it says here. He goes, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. What is the consequences of sin? I remember my professor saying this. He says, class, let me ask you just very quickly. This is my God, man, and sin, my theology 101 class. He said, he goes, class, let me just ask you this question. What do you deserve? And all of us were like, oh, this is a trick question. This is deep, deep, deep theology. And I'm like, um, and the trick was deserve. So he had all these, these answers, and I, I was clamming up because I knew it was a trick. And he goes, and he yells, and I'm not going to yell because we have children in the room. He just yells, death. What do you deserve? Death. Because why the Romans 3.23? For the wages of sin is death. Whoever sinned is, does bring consequences to our lives even while we are still alive. Perhaps the worst outcome of sinning is a broken, here's your first ship, a broken relationship with God. That's what sin does. Sin separates and it puts to death the very relationship that God wants you to have with him. If you've ever felt that God is distant, you are not the only one this morning. We all have 
at some point felt this way, and it's because of sin in your life. Sin pushes us farther away from the very one our souls long for, and this is painful for the Father. Sin decays and rusts like that old shipwreck. Sin creates a a toxic mud all around us, and when people get close, they start to sink, and and they start to freak out, and they run away from you sometimes. You run around, you you see what it's doing to you in the mirror, and it's disgusting. Everything starts to be destroyed and left to rot. This is a very positive sermon, Pastor John. Thanks for coming out today. Thanks for returning to us and nailing us. Sin separates us from the Father. Not only does it lead to death, not only does sin separate us from the Father, but sin is harmful to us and those around us. When I have counseled many, many people and they're wrestling with sin, I ask them, how are the people that that you know, like the people that are uh, building you up, encouraging you, the people maybe in your church, your family, how are they right now? And they always say, they're not around me anymore. They've looked at me and they say, I can't handle you. This sin has taken over your life. I feel so far away from them as if there's this toxic mud to the shore. That's what sin does. And despite it all, here it is, folks. There is hope. Amen? 2,000 years ago, God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to do what? To pay the price for your sin. That's the gospel truth. Jesus died so we didn't have to. In Christ, there is forgiveness to the, for the past, the present, and the future sin. Those who repent, what does repent mean, John? Literally this. You're making a 180-degree change. You're saying, I'm done being this rusted, well, wrong picture, rusted bucket of a shipwreck, and I'm choosing, I want to believe in Jesus, and that's the prophetic word we got today. You have to believe and receive the gospel truth for your life so that he can be a new ship, a new person, a clean slate before the Lord. And that, folks, is good news. Amen? Isn't it the best news? And this is the redemption by the grace of God. Just so there are many chapters and verses in this Bible that talk about sin and judgment, oh boy, there is a big chunk that talk about redemption and forgiveness. Not just in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. God's rescue plan is always for you. And you can look at all 66 books of the Bible, and you will always see a redemptive plan for his nation, for his people. The Lord wants you to know this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that you can start again. What? What do you mean? Literally, you can start again in 2021. You are a, you're maybe thinking that you're not that ship, you're thinking like you're the shipwreck, but today is the day where you can make a decision to follow Jesus and trust in him. Because why? He paid the ultimate price to redeem and to recover you, to save you and pull you out of that toxic, sandy death heap and make you into a beautiful ship to set the sails for him. So now that we know the dilemma, now that we know that God, our Heavenly Father, has given us His Son, a rescue plan, what do you need to do? Well, first is, do you trust this morning? 
in your heavenly Father to revive and restore your wreck of a mind, heart, soul, and spirit. Number two, do you allow the Lord to take control of your ship? Here's the second ship today. That's called lordship. There's that country western song, Jesus take the wheel. Literally. I remember seeing a bumper sticker one time and it said, God is my co-pilot. And I said, that's the worst theological statement to say. God is not my co-pilot. He is the pilot. He has to be. Jesus, take the captain's helm. Put, Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, put your hands on the wheel of the boat and steer me to safe waters. See, to places that are a safe harbor. I'm done. And number three, do we say this morning that Jesus, take the helm. You take the captain's chair of my life. So as we look at this series, I can ch- as we kind of finish, I'm going to invite the, the band to come up and just do, do another song with us this morning. The challenge for us this morning, as we've heard prophetic and also through the word, number one is know your before state. We all have a BCAD story, don't we? You are an absolute wreck of a human being. And maybe for this, this morning, you need to be reminded because of sin, you are an absolute shipwreck of a human being. That's a good thing just to remember. But number two, know that God restores that shipwreck back to usefulness and beauty. And know that you belong to a fleet of similar ships. Look left, look right, front and back. This is the best naval fleet of shipwrecks I could ever feel like I could command. And I need you to be part of my fleet. You might be sitting here this morning going, John, I just showed up this, this week for the first time or I've been here maybe a month. Okay. But I need you. God needs you to be connected in your shipwreck state. But I believe at the end of 2021, you'll be like that ship. Brand new ropes, brand new sails, all the tack, all the barnacles gone. And guess where you are? You're sailing the ocean like never before. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.